Latter-day Saint Home Educators is pleased to bring you this audio presentation recorded live during the February 2023 online Midwinter Home Education Conference. I am so excited to be here, everyone. I am the founder of No Brainers, and it's an organization that focuses on the empowerment of teens and adults. So we have a homeschooling curriculum, but it really is an engaging study with the connection between the mind and the body so that we can level up in our life. And what we do know is that there is scientific evidence that when we learn experientially, we retain the information And we've learned things a lot faster. So today, I want to walk you into learning the skill of speaking the language of a conscious creator. But we're going to be doing some experimentation and some play. So I hope you guys are all in today. I need you to be able to participate because the more you participate, the more you're going to get out of this. So in just a second, I'm going to have you, in fact, right now, if you want to unmute your mic, because I'm going to have you answer some questions because we got to break, we got to warm up that brain. And so to be able to do that, I want you to be able to scream out some answers simultaneously to five different questions I have. And they're super different, super easy questions because it's things that you know, and it's all going to be different. So you can either type it in the chat or you can scream it out, but I need all of you to participate for a second because we're going to warm up our brains. Okay. You ready? All right. I'm going to say the question and then I'm going to say three, two, one. And then I want you to say what the answer is. Okay. Are you ready? First question. What's your favorite color? Three, two, one. Blue. Yellow. (laughs) Good. Okay. What's the name of your favorite teacher? You ready? Three, two, one. Kiwis. Mr. Vixie. Okay. The third one. What is one thing that you are afraid of? Ah, that'll be an easy one to come up with. Ready? Three, two, one. Losing medical stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Some are like, I don't dare tell anybody what I'm afraid of. (laughs) Okay. The fourth thing is what is your favorite song? Okay. Think of that. Oh, there's so many songs we can pick from, but what's your favorite song? Are you ready? Three, two, one. There's sunshine in my soul today. Shout those out. Let that come out of your brain. Even if it's just the first one that comes to your brain, that's the one you're going to shout out. Okay. Then there's one last one. Here's your last chance to participate here. I want you to think of your favorite word. I mean, this is a word that you really resonate with. I mean, that you love to hear that every time you hear that word, it's just like, oh, I love that word. Okay. You got it in your brain? Okay, I want you to scream that out. So are you ready? Three, two, one. Sure. <laughs> All right, that's a pretty good warm up for this morning. But do you know what we did? We just took your brain on a hike because we went to the prefrontal cortex to retrieve some information. We went to the hippocampus to retrieve the long-term memory. We went to the amygdala for the fear, and then we went to the cerebellum and the heart. So the brain and the mind and the body, they are so amazing. And when we know how the brain works, 
And with some skills, we really can bring about some amazing things. And this whole body and brain, it's the most exquisite computer system that we have. And just like any computer, what you put in is what you can take out. And it's really hard to spit out things that we haven't been able to put into it. So I have to tell you what happened the other day, walking along and I caught a thought. (laughs) I mean, I was walking along, minding my own business. And all of a sudden this thought comes and I catch it and I hold on to it. It It's like out out of the blue. But then I realized that I had been dodging thousands of thoughts that day. And some of them I just got out of the way, but this one I held on to. And then something started happening. Oh, my word. I started wrapping feelings around it. And when I started wrapping feelings around this, look what happened. It started coming to life. I was breathing life into this thought. And then I remembered there's a short little window of time that when a thought comes into our mind, that we have to be able to reject it and just send it on its way. But when we start wrapping feelings and emotions around our thoughts, then it starts turning into a belief. Now, what's significant about a belief? Well, when we have a thought and we wrap the feelings from our heart into it and it becomes a belief, then it directs our actions and then our actions are what take us to our destiny, whatever that destiny is. So it all starts with a thought and then we put our emotions in it. So, and what's significant about that? Because it drives my behavior. Those beliefs drive our actions. Our beliefs determine whether we're going to make it to our dreams or passions or whatever target we have um, have in our destiny. Now, do you know where we store those thoughts and those beliefs? We actually store those in our subconscious. So look at this iceberg that we have right here. 5% of that is in our conscious mind. That's our awareness right now. Here today... We're conscious of what we're doing. We're in the present. But 95% of our beliefs and our experiences and our thinking and our values, our total life experiences have been exquisitely recorded in the neural system of our body. And of course, the neural system, you know, with the neurons, they connect with all the information. It's almost like these tiny recorders that are recording all the information that happens. The highest percent is, and you'd think it would be in the brain, it's in the gut. And then the next is in the brain. And then the next is in the heart. So if you've ever had one of those gut feelings, well, you're actually probably extracting information that's being stored in the neural system of the gut. It's really pretty ex- extraordinary. But what happens in life when we are to go uh, to figure out life and how should I respond we go down into the subconscious and it's just all the data that we've accumulated through all our life. And it goes in and searches for information like, okay, so how should I react to this? And what should I do? Now there's a couple different things that are in there. These big loops of thoughts are created by 
things that we rep repeatedly go through time and time again. If you, you do a play the piano or whatever through that repetition, you have this big neural bundle in your in your subconscious because you've done it repeatedly. And so that's how you can continue to play. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, just goes in there and it knows. But another neural bundle that we have is when things happen emotionally. And something can happen emotionally once, and it has this big impact in there. Now, that could be something really exciting that happened, like the birth of your child or your wedding or whatever, but it could also be something traumatic. So when life goes to decide how are we going to react to life, its lens is based on those big neural bundles that are in the subconscious. And some of those down in there don't serve us. And some of those we just keep because they're familiar to us. So 95% of our beliefs and our emotions and our values are down in our subconscious. And we're not even aware of them until we have to extract the information. And that's the same information that we had the day before and the same 95% we had the day before and the day before. So if history is a a predictor of the future, that means tomorrow I'm going to have the same 95%, which means that if I want to do something different, I want change to happen. I've got to change things up, right? You probably already know the saying, if I always do what I've always done, I'll always get what I always got, right? So we want to change some things up. Wouldn't you like to know what's down in your subconscious? Wouldn't that be kind of interesting? Well, I'm going to give you one of the tools today where you're going to find out some of the things that are down in your subconscious because we want to become conscious creators of our life. Now, when I caught that thought and I put emotions with it and I gave it life, I can now become curious about, oh, is this something that I want to keep? Or I can dig deeper and figure out why do I have that thought? Because if it's something that continues to reoccur, it's probably down in my subconscious. So yeah, we need to be super curious about what's in our subconscious. Today, we're going to find out how. And you know what? Did you know that there is a microphone that's attached to your sub to your thoughts? And that if you listen really carefully, you can hear what they're saying. Because the voice of your thoughts, words that we speak. So I'm not talking about the words that we speak when we're checked, when we're trying to be proper. I'm talking about the words that when you're unplugged and you're talking to your besties, those are the words that we are creating life from. Because they're the microphone to the thoughts that we've been thinking that are down in our subconscious. Is that crazy? So if we can be conscious and listen to the words that we're saying, we'll know exactly what we're creating. And the incredible thing about words is when they pass through the breath of life, they become one of the most creative powers that we have. And they're conjoined, like a conjoined twin to the thoughts that we think. Okay, so this is crazy, but this is how I learned that thoughts actually create. So I had this minivan. I don't know if any of you have had a minivan before, you know, 26 cup holders, what's not to love about a minivan, right? But it was, it was defunct. It, I needed something different, but I kept going into the infinity dealership and I was looking at the QX80 and it was a bigger SUV, a little bit nicer than my, my minivan. And I kept going in and in. I was driving them crazy. One day, the minivan was just like, it's done. 
we got to get this car. So I walked in and they were like, oh, here she is again. I was like, no, today I'm going to buy. And I think one of the salesmen hit the floor. He could not believe it. But one of the things I remember about that, and probably the only thing about purchasing my car was at the very end, they said to me, okay, I'm in Utah. So the license plate, you can have a little skier on your license plate, or you can have the arches of Southern Utah, which do you want? I went, well, I want the arches that look nice with the new white paint, et cetera. So I drove off thinking, oh, this is great. All of a sudden I realized I was getting 13 miles to a gallon and it was so large. It was hard to get into some places. I turned the corner and I'd hit the back wheel. Sometimes I'm like, what have I done? This is too large. This is bigger than I wanted. What's with the gas mileage? Oh my gosh. And I was going into this buyer's remorse about what have I done? This is the biggest mistake. I can't believe I've done this. I was articulating this to a friend and he found out there was a recall and we figured out why the gas wasn't got that fixed. But it's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? This is too large. Well, one day he was over at my house and he said, you know, your little sticker on the back from the dealer, it's expired. Do you have your license plates? Did they come yet? I said, well, yeah, they did. He goes, well, go get them. Now, remember, my car is a QX80. And he got the license out of the envelope and he looked at it and he started laughing. And he said, I didn't know you got custom license plates. I said, well, I didn't. He goes, yes, you did. I go, no, I didn't get custom license plates. Why? He goes, look at your license plate. My QX80 had a license plate that said X80, too large. <laughs> there were my words right on my license plate. <laughs> those thoughts that I'd been thinking, those words that I had been articulating were engraved in the license plate that came on my car. Can you believe that? You know, they say the law of vibration, there's a scientific vibration that goes out with our, our thoughts and our, our words. But then we match that and we bring it back into our life. So here's my question to all of you. What would your license plate say if your words were engraving on it? Well, oh my gosh, the universe has a really funny sense of humor because that's how I realize that words really do create. Now, there is a cycle of languaging. And when we can recognize where we are on that cycle of languaging, we can recognize what we're creating in our life. So words create, and as we become aware, we can tweak them to make sure that we're creating the right things. So when we're on the top of the world, we speak certain words and our emotions are something different, right? You can probably think of, oh my gosh, I remember that day when I was just having an amazing day. And these are the kinds of things that were coming out of my mouth. But then when we start to slip and start complaining, there's a different set of words that we use and there's different emotions. And be putting yourself in this, in this cycle of life to kind of identify where you sit. Then at the bottom, when we're at the bottom of the world, when we have the weight of the world on our shoulders and it's crushing down on us, that's a heavy place to be. And maybe you can identify of a time when you were in that place or felt that way. And then when we're coming up, we language even differently. So I'm going to kind of give you an idea of what the words might sound like and try to identify what that emotion might be. So let's say you're going to work 
you had kind of a crazy day, crazy morning. You're trying to get out the door. You're on the freeway. And all of a sudden somebody cuts you off and you have to break really fast. And it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, if I'm slipping and complaining, this is what my languaging might sound like. Oh my gosh, you crazy person. You almost killed me. What are you thinking? Get back here. I need to give you a piece of my mind. Who do you think you are? I can't believe you did that. Okay, for those of you who can get in the chat, what did you notice about the words? And what is what were the feelings, the emotions that you were you were feeling? Let's just articulate some of those things. Negative emotions. Yeah. Blame, frustration. Exactly. Pointing fingers someplace out like, oh, you crazy person. What are you doing? So we can start to identify when we get into those sorts of things that we are slipping. Okay. So when you are down at the very bottom, it could be, ah, you almost killed me. Go ahead. Nobody cares about me anyway. I don't get respected anywhere I go. Everyone always thinks I'm incompetent. What's the use? I never get promotions at work. Even I might as well just give up. Okay. Whew. Those are heavy words. But did you, did you notice what were those words doing? What kind of emotions or what were they creating? Any perspective on that? Exaggeration? Yeah, we're actually dripping that into the other parts of our life. We just got cut off and all of a sudden, you know, we're never going to get promotions at work. Anxiety. And honestly, this place in the cycle is really where we start to fall into that hole of limited focus. I mean, we can only see the trouble in our life, the hard things, the tragedy, the tough things. And we're not able to really see the things that are going right in our life. And what we focus on grows. And I'm going to be really honest. When we get down in that space, and maybe you can relate to being down there before, I know I can. We almost need some state changers to be able to change our language. And here's three of my favorites. The first one is learning breath work. Oh my gosh, that's powerful. Just breathing in a different pattern can put ourselves mentally in a different place. Moving our body can help. And obviously, if you're behind a car, you can't do that. But the next one is music. Oh, music is so powerful, such a great state changer. And when we can change our state, then we can start thinking from a clear perspective, start changing our languaging, and then get back up on the top of the world. So if I'm coming back up, my language might be when I got cut off from that driver, here we are back in the, behind the wheel. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad that nobody was hurt. I'm glad I'm a defensive driver. I think I'm going to keep my eyes on the road today. And wow, that gave me an adrenaline boost. You feel the difference there? What, what was that creating? What were, what were the emotions there? It really was very different than being on the bottom, right? Gratitude. Yeah, it was, it was being in the present. It wasn't pointing fingers. It was like... Like I'm in the here and now here. And then when we're at the top of the world, it could be something like, oh my goodness, on our toes today. Oh, blessings, my friend. You must have something really difficult you're going through that you're having to drive that fast. I'm sending angels after you and we are all 
being looked after today. I mean, could you even feel the difference in that languaging? And it may seem a little crazy superfluous for whatever, but but it's one of those like you're not, you're blessing everybody, you're loving everybody, you're you're happy, and you're just grateful that nobody was hurt and giving the benefit of the doubt. So when we change our words, we can change our life. And so if thoughts can influence our words, absolutely words can influence our thoughts. And thoughts are really that pivot to our trajectory. You know, if we can keep our thoughts and our emotions in line, we can hit those things that we have goals and passions that we have. So do any of you raise your hand if you speak a second or third or fourth language, if you have more than just your mother tongue? Okay, some of you, you're going to learn another language today. (laughs) Here you go. We're going to learn how to speak the language of a conscious creator. So I had two categories of words, and I named them words of deterioration and words of life. And the first one, words of deterioration, these are words of like pessimism, of doubt. There's judgment and impatience. They have like a tone of ego and superiority and justification. These are words that erode away. And there's also words of like victimhood in there and like hopelessness and and anguish and spite and complaining. I I love it when people say, I'm just complaining. I'm like, complaining and explaining are two different things. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) But stuck and hate, unhappiness, those are words of deterioration because they erode away the the positive creation that can happen in our life. You can almost feel the weight of those words, can't you? So words of deterioration are weapons that we use against others and we use against ourselves. And and words can cut deeper than knives. And we're accountable for those words. We are accountable for the words that we say. I don't know who came up with that poem that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is so false because anyone who has been the victim of verbal abuse knows that it cuts deep. So we had, that's an easy category to recognize, right? But on the other side, we have the words of life. The words of life, they're this high frequency. They look at life through realistic but forgiving eyes. They're words of truth and kindness and encouragement. And they elevate and they bring, they bring hope and peace and happiness and joy and harmony. And I, I think the word that really epitomizes the words of life is love, right? So these feel different, don't they? So those are kind of easy to differentiate between the words of deterioration and the words of life. But in between there, there are some words that we use that are creating things in our life that we may not be aware of. And these are maybe some subtleties, but I think this is really amazing to learn this. If we're going to step into truly words of creation, it's nice to know these. Now, the mind believes what we tell it. And the mind thinks takes things kind of literally. So are you, you're familiar with idioms, I'm sure, where an idiom is a figurative meaning for something that's literal, that means something different. So for example, man, he's a pain in the rear or she's pulling my leg, or I'm dying to go, 
And you know what? We use these idioms all the time and we understand that they're figurative, but the brain listens to everything as literal because it's listening to the emotion behind that. So you're a pain in the neck. Now, this is a true story. I was teaching at a deeper level, this concept with a group. And there was a gal that she was like, oh my gosh, I have a story. I have a story. I'm like, what? She said, every day of my life, my dad would say to me, you are a pain in the neck. And she said, you know what? When I turned 30, I developed a cancerous tumor in my neck. She says, I can tell you that words create. And of course, the only way that that created something is if she was internalizing that. But can you imagine being told that every day of your life? But here are some other subtle ones that create in our life. And I call them the obligation words and limitation words. And if you have a handout, you'll see that right there. So these words carry obligation or limitation. So obligation words suggest that we don't have any freedom of choice in our lives. You know, I have to. I should, I need to, I'm supposed to, I'm forced to, I ought, I must. So the truth is any obligation can be a choice for us. And a feeling of like should indicates, well, I want that end result, but there's like this conflict in feeling in me. And then the limitation words, like I can't, it won't happen. It's impossible never. I know none of you use the word never, right? (laughs) That's what I'm trying to eliminate from my vocabulary. Not good enough. So these are things, um, there are things that we may not be allowed to do. Don't get me wrong. We, We can't ever say, oh, you don't ever use those words. But we have to be careful about how we are categorizing things as we're obliged to do things or we have to do things or we're limited in what we can do. Now, this is where these beautiful words come in that I call words of choice. And words of choice are like, I get to, I want to, I choose to. And then that beautiful transition word, that yet word. So for example, like I have to go to school. Well, no, I get to go to school because I live in the land of many freedoms and in a place where homeschooling allows educational flexibility. What a difference when you say, I get to go to school. I have to get out of bed at 6 a.m. No, I choose to get out of bed to be able to be ready to ride with my friend to school. Or I need to go to the grocery store. No, I want to go to the grocery store because I want to make sure that my family has the foods that we love. Or I have to go to work. No, I get to go to work so that I can provide those luxuries and blessings that we enjoy. I don't know if you can feel the difference in the nuance of just being able to put a choice word in there. I get to, I want to, I choose to. So we have to take ownership over the things that we say. Instead of saying things like, I could never go to Harvard. We have to take some ownership. Like, well, I haven't put in the time to see if Harvard is a possibility. So never, never, I know none of you use the word never, right? (laughs) I use the new word never. My never phrase, and think about what your never phrase is, is I never get everything done. So what am I creating when I'm saying I never get anything done? I recognize I'm looking at the things that I didn't get done instead of the things I did get done. So we may be saying things like I can never lose weight. Well, remember, the brain is listening to what we're saying and the emotion behind it. And it's like, oh, wait, all hands on deck. She just said she can't lose weight. 
Hey, so adipose tissue, whatever, do whatever you can to make sure she doesn't lose because she's telling us she can't lose weight. So we got to help her out here. So the words that we're using can create. So we want to make sure that we are creating the right things. Okay. So I want you guys to be able to practice. So we're going to play a little game called rephraseology. And in this, you can type it in or you can uh, vocalize it. You can unmute yourself and you can you can answer. But what I want to do is I am going to give you a little video clip of someone saying a phrase. And the first thing I want you guys to do is tell me, what is that creating? And the second, I want you to rephrase it using words of choice looking for possibilities instead of focusing on problems. And this is a skill I feel so strongly about that can change our lives and our family lives, so much so that I even came up with an edutainment game that teaches four languaging skills so that we can learn how to use our words better. So I'm going to show you the video. Tell me what is that creating? Tell me what how you would rephrase it. And then I'm going to show you how they responded. Because they were given the phrase, but then they came up with how they would rephrase it. You ready to play? We've got we've got about 12 different ones that we can practice on. So when you leave, you know how to rephrase. Here's your first one. You ready? This is an impossible task. There is no way I can do this. Like, no, thank you. Mm -mm. Okay, this is an impossible task. What is that creating? So you can either speak it out loud or you can put it in the chat. I know everybody's muted right now. So if you want to unmute or you can. Creating a wall. Yes. Yes. Is is that task going to get, get accomplished? It's, it's like a predicting the future, right? So how would you rephrase that? What's a different way that you can say it? This is an impossible task. There's no way I can do this. Ooh, this is difficult, but I can do this. Yes, because we can say what something really is, right? We don't have to hide that. We don't want to be have to be Pollyanna. Okay, do you want to see what, how she said it? This task may seem impossible, but I can accomplish it if I break it down into smaller steps. Doesn't that feel so much better? Okay, here's your next one. I am so exhausted. <laughs> what is that creating? <laughs> Does it make you tired even just hearing her? <laughs> More exhaustion. More exhaustion. So how could you rephrase that? Because you may be feeling exhausted, but so how can you articulate that? <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. More, more exhaustion been there. Yeah. How can you rephrase that? My body is telling me it needs a break. I better take a break now. Beautiful. You just opened up the possibilities and a solution of what, of a condition that you had. Okay. She said. Hey, I can enjoy a break. I deserve it. You guys are like-minded. I love how you think. Okay, here's your next one. Uh, she is driving me crazy. 
<laughs> what is that creating? <laughs> Have you ever been there before? <laughs> How is she viewing that person? She's allowing that person to have control over the situation. Yes. So how could you rephrase that? Knowing that you've got a frustration with this person, how could you rephrase that? I feel frustrated by X, Y, Z that she's been doing. Yeah. I feel frustrated (laughs) because instead of driving me crazy, every time you look at that person, you're going to think crazy. Excellent. Anything else? I'll show you what she said. She is teaching me a lot of patience. (laughs) Okay, here's your next, your next case scenario. I am so stupid. I am just always messing up. What is that creating? It's very sad, very depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Negativity. And well, it's taking whatever whatever the problem was and turning it into a self-judgment label. Yeah. Limiting. I like that too. Absolutely. It's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. How would you rephrase that? Well, I just made a doozy of a mistake. Yeah. Not reflecting it on who you are, but what I did, but that's not a permanent thing, right? Any other suggestions of how you could rephrase? I'm so stupid. I'm always messing up. I'll let you see what she said. Well, I didn't do that exactly right, but I can always learn and get better. So, so many different ways that we can phrase. Here's your next one. I am always tired in the morning. (laughs) I may have said that a couple of times. What is that creating? I'm always tired. Creating me every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's creating more tiredness. Yeah. Tired mornings. Exactly. So how can we rephrase that? Humans are always tired in the morning when they wake up. I'll feel better after I exercise and study for a little while. I love that because you gave possibilities, you gave solutions, you gave options, and you gave the brain a place to be able to start focusing. And that's the thing. We want to refocus the brain from where it's at, from not looking at problems, but looking for options, possibilities, et cetera. Excellent. Okay. She said. I wake up every morning with so much energy. (laughs) So she just put herself in a state of, okay, this is how I wake up. Kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. Next. Guys are doing great. Why do I have to do everything myself? (laughs) What is that creating? Resentment. Yeah. Yeah. So how could you rephrase that? 
I feel unsupported. I should ask somebody for some specific help. Excellent. Identifying the problem, identifying solutions. That's beautiful. Yes. That's speaking the language of conscious creation. It's what are we creating? And here's what she said. I'm allowing others to help. That's so much more fun. (laughs) And if you knew this gal that says that, that's exactly her personality. She just like brings people in to have fun with her. All right, here's your next scenario. We've got a couple more to try. I never have enough time. What's that creating? Scarcity mentality. Yeah. So is she going to get things done during the day? Some things. Well, if it was me, then I would probably just look at my phone all day instead of doing anything. (laughs) That is such a good key point because when things get uncomfortable, we really have been, we're in a society where we numb and we have so many numbing diversions that we can, we can go to that instead of really looking at how to find solutions, we have a way to, to numb it, to make it go away temporarily, right? That's an excellent thing. So how can we rephrase that? I never have enough time. I have enough time for the things that matter most. Oh my gosh, you're brilliant. This is what she said. There is plenty of time for everything that is important to me. Beautiful. Look at you conscious creators speaking the language. Okay, just a couple more here. I don't trust anyone to follow through. I don't trust anyone to follow through. What is she creating? Continual disappointment. Yeah. Fear of connection. And you know, what we focus on grows where when we dial in on something, we find it right. Our, Our brain is wired to help us find those things that are important to us. And when she wants to see where she can't trust people, that's going to pop out all day long. So how can we rephrase that? I don't trust anyone to follow through. And it's a choice, isn't it? I mean, she's made, she's made a, a definition of, I don't trust. That's who I am. But maybe she can open up her opportunity to trust. I'll let you see what she said. I anticipate that everyone will do their part. So changing that to anticipate, not expectation, but I anticipate I'm holding space out there that people are going to follow through. And I'm going to see when people follow through and I'm going to identify that. And I'm going to bring that forward so that I get new evidence to the different way that I'm speaking. Okay, here is. Can I ask a question about that one? You bet. Um, So where I see that in my life is embarrassingly towards my husband, where I sometimes think I don't, it's not that I don't trust that he will do things. It's that I don't anticipate that he will do them the way I want them done or the way I think they should be done. And so then I end up stepping in and doing them and then end up doing everything and then end up anxious that I do everything. So we're back to the earlier one, right? 
But I wonder if you have any suggestions on how to change that. Because I like what she said. I anticipate that he'll follow through. But I'm not sure that I mean it. <laughs> so, well, there you go. And so the waiting, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I feel that with my own children. You know, I, I want them to. And what we exude out, what that scientific frequency of what we exude out, I anticipate or I hold space for, after a while, it it starts to grow on them. Or allowing yourself to be okay with only a partial done and thanking them for that partial. And then they start to respond, oh, I was appreciated for that. And sometimes it's a matter of us like not having the expectation but having anticipation and gratitude for what, so that we can grow and foster what needs to happen. I don't know if that helps, but I am going to take this down to number 32. So you can see something that a little bit relates to what you're saying. My husband never listened to me. So what is that creating? When our words are always saying, my husband is never listening to me. What are we focusing on? Resentment and judgment. Yeah. And every time he doesn't listen to us, we're reinforcing down in the subconscious. So that neural bundle is like, see, he didn't see, he didn't see, he didn't. So we have down in our subconscious, these thought loops. My children never help me. They never follow through. My children don't listen to me. My, you know, and so I have to change that when I change that to, I hold space for that. I'll let you see what she said. I really need to be more patient with my husband. He really has the desire to listen to me. So she wants to be a little more patient to see if she can allow it. Now, do people cooperate 100% of the time? No. And sometimes we have to be okay with what is. But the only person we can really change is us. And when we start changing how we speak and how we feel, more importantly, because remember the body, the emotions are the things that create that frequency out there. So in our heart, if we can change our heart and if we can get on the top of that, that communication will, that languaging will, it's amazing the ripple effect that starts happening out there. Uh, Miracles can happen. And sometimes they, sometimes miracles just take a little bit of time. But the person that can change is, is us. So let's go to this one right here. Number, ah, right here. I'm not good enough. <laughs> okay, my friend is a little dramatic, but what is that creating? What are we telling ourselves? More of those feelings, more we're not good enough. And we're going to apply that to every piece of our life. Yeah, it's going to drip all over everything. And we're really pulling the rug out from underneath us. And this is her way of motivating herself. But what, what could you say? What could we say that, that would be a rephrase of that? I'm not good enough. I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. Yeah. And are there some things that we're good enough at? Can we identify those things and bring those forward? Like, well, gosh, I'm not good enough at this yet, but I have, I just rocked 
cleaning the garage. <laughs> that was a masterpiece when I got done with that or whatever it is, when we can bring in now our brain to bring it to a higher level so that we're not staying there at the lower end of that languaging cycle. Okay, here's... I am good enough. I am good enough. I am good enough. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. <laughs> and that is totally her. That is totally her. That is, a, And that might be a little more extreme for us, but that's a little more for comedy relief than anything. So I want you to feel and hear this one. I'm going to take it down to this one. We'll just do two more. One I'm going to have you evaluate, and then the other I want to talk about for a second. I feel so rejected by my friends. I feel like nobody wants to be around me. Wow, what is that creating? I feel so rejected by my friends. Nobody wants to be around me. Distance and disconnection. Yeah. And we make up stories too, don't we? Then we start spinning those thought loops and then we go down our subconscious, like remember that other time when they ignored me and remember when she turned her shoulder when we were at lunch and, re and then all the brain is like, oh, you want data? I got data for you. Look at this. I got a lifetime of data. I'm going to bring that up and I'm going to remind you of it. So we have to change that. What would you say differently? I feel so rejected by my friends. I feel like nobody wants to be around me. Because I can guarantee you, I've, I've heard that out of the mouths of my teens and my children. So how could we rephrase that? And it's okay to say, I feel rejected because that's the body can feel that that's reality, but where can we take that? I guess I would just ask him like to try to find way, like I, it's okay to say I feel rejected and then try to find a different way to connect. Right. Or I, sh or I can show love to myself or I can reach out to somebody and connect. I noticed so-and-so is also rejected. I can show more love to them. I'm not the only person here. I love that. I love that because what you did, you took it off of them to a focus on someone else. And you did exactly what she did. And this, and these responses that came from this teen are legitimately her type of responses. This is how she reacts to life. I've noticed that my friends have been a little distant. So maybe I'll check in with them and see that if they're doing okay. So instead of taking this that I'm rejected, nobody likes me. She was like, wait, they're acting a little strange. I don't know what's going on. So maybe I'm going to reach out to them. Can you see the difference that can make in our life if we can step into this? And nobody said that this was easy. That It's kind of like wearing your shoes on the wrong, wrong feet for a minute. It feels really awkward. But once we start getting used to identifying like, oh, oh, yeah, I can relanguage that a little way and I can create something different in our life. It is so exciting, especially when you're doing this with your family and you're working on it together and you can laugh together and you can come up with phrases or maybe there's something your family always says. It's like this little jingle that seems to run through your family and there's a way to re-language re it, rephrase it, that now it has a higher way of creating. Now, this last one, I, we're not going not gonna to have you tell me what you think she should say, but I want you to feel the emotion wrapped around this. 
I am just so lonely. Nobody cares about me. What is that creating? Separation, right? Depression. Yeah. We're in a time of anxiety, depression, comparison. These are some really hard times for not only our teens and our children, but for everyone, even for us as adults. And if we're able to break the chain of of our languaging and really see how we're speaking, we can turn that and start to create something different. But learning how to relanguage isn't about just flipping it. Because she can't go from, I am just so lonely. Nobody cares about me to me. You know what? I'm not lonely. Everybody cares about me. That would be disingenuous. The brain will reject it because it feels something different. So to be able to just flip that when we teach her family, it isn't about just flipping. It's about looking for possibilities and potentials. And, you know, there are things called bridge thoughts where when someone is in a place of depression or whatever, maybe, maybe they can't even fathom thinking of possibilities, but maybe they might be able to say, I am just so lonely, but maybe somebody does care about me. I mean, maybe it's even inching that way forward where we want to get them to is to the possibilities and the opportunities. And there again, I would use those state changers, you know, the music, the breath work, the uh, go out for a walk, use your body and then re-language it. But it could be, you know, I'm just so lonely. Nobody cares about me, but maybe I can find some clubs out there that are doing activities that I love. And then I'll be surrounded by people that do stuff that I love to do. I can probably find some more friends. Now we have to lead and guide them to that. And that that takes being able to speak truly that language of creation. And the thing that I just tiptoed you into that you touched, it's written in this book, Level Up, The uh, Power of Thoughts and Words. In the back, I have these transition phrases and a skill that you can use to be able to go from being able to say what's genuine to you, but to be able to move it into a creator position. And then we also have rephraseology where you learn not one, but four different languaging skills. It's for the family. It's an edutainment game. So kids play from one side of the card, adults from the other, there's an action and it makes it fun. When we can train our brains and when we can step into that of being a conscious creator, we actually start to see life in a very different way. We start to see, teach our brain to see opportunities, to see blessings and the good things that are around us. And our language is telling us where we are focusing. So if thoughts could affect words, for sure, our words are affecting our thoughts and our emotions and our beliefs. So one of the highest levels of languaging, and you guys have actually brought it up, is that of gratitude. When we talk about being in gratitude, we're talking about absolutely seeing the blessings and opportunities in life. And you guys have been such good sports today. If you would like, I'd love to gift you something today. Um, I'd love to give you a PDF. It's downloadable. It's about gratitude. And there's seven gratitude rituals that you can use with your family or for yourself. 
And there's three levels of gratitude that are explained that you might find really interesting. And there's also a little fun activity. It's a cutout activity of gratitude that you can use with your family. So if you'd like that, just go to leveluptean.com forward slash gratitude. And we'll email that out to you. So I want to thank you for joining. And I hope you found this a little bit helpful, a little bit fun, and maybe gave you some ideas of some things that you can do with your family to become more conscious creators and speak a language of conscious creation. So what kind of questions do you have before our time ends today? If any. For the thoughts like on weight, um, what would you rephrase that to? I am allowing, I'm allowing my weight to leave that that doesn't serve me to leave. You know, I'm not losing it because you don't want to find it again. I'm allowing it to leave. It's going away. <laughs> I'm grateful that my body knows what doesn't serve me. And I'm feeling healthier and more vibrant all the time. You know, every day I feel myself becoming leaner and and more fit and stronger. So if we're, if we're focusing on what we want versus where we're at, what we can't do. It's just like with those little kids when, when they're at the pool and you're like, don't run. Instead of saying, don't run, we're like walking feet, walking feet. So it's kind of the same thing that we do with ourselves. And you know what? Being in gratitude for your body. When I'm in the tub, I'm like, thank you, body. Oh my gosh, arms, you're amazing. You did an awesome job today. You know, just really being in gratitude. This is a living organism and the mind and the body are not separate. They are so integrated. It's, we're so blessed. We're so blessed to have these bodies, these minds. That's a great question. Any other questions? I'm really interested in, your practice of gratitude and more details about besides, besides gratitude in the tub, how does that, how does that practice look for you? Gratitude is a, a place of heart. It's about able to see the, the benefits of things and appreciation when you're in a, when you're in a state of gratitude and actually that PDF is going to give you some ideas too. When you're in a state of gratitude, you're focusing on what's good in life you know, they say like the gratitude journals and things like that. When, when you're writing down every day, what were all the blessings? What were the things that I saw today that were good? All of a sudden you live in a life of abundance and it could be that you have no money, but you live in a place of joy. And um, I'm quite a spiritual person. And in my spiritual practice, one of the learnings I had is that um, gratitude is a key that unlocks areas that you can't get to without gratitude. And I can tell you when I can get into a state of gratitude, I can see my children in a way that I have never appreciated them. And it's glorious. And it doesn't matter what they're doing, but it's just like, I see the beauty behind them. I see their gifts. I appreciate them. Even if they're doing things that I don't love, I can just love them for who they are. Um, in this level up, um, curriculum. It's quite a big curriculum. It's a 14 week curriculum, but we really go into gratitude as a superpower that you can have because without gratitude in our life, um, we, we truly aren't recognizing 
what we can have and what we do have. I don't know if that answered your question. There's lots of things you can do with gratitude. Yeah, thank you. I like that. Um, my kids, I notice, speak a lot in absolutes, and they probably learned it from me. Um, I never, I'm terrible, you know, and so I've been trying to figure out how to help them. Do you think those bridge discussion, those bridge thoughts that you're talking about is a good baby step? The bridge thoughts, but also those words of choice, having them use those words of choice, start them out with there, just have it right in front of them to say, Hey, we're going to practice some things, you know, let's try it. And then laugh about it. Have fun with them. Learning has to be fun. And it, when it's experiential, I mean, do anything you want to do, you know, maybe even cut out little footprints and there's a different question that they have to rephrase it or do your own little rephraseology thing, you know, video them saying something and then say, okay, now we're going to rephrase it. Let's talk about it. What are those options? And then video them again. And then maybe give them all those videos you took of them saying the things the right way. And they've got it on their phone, like all these amazing ways that they said something, you know, kind of like a tennis player, when they really want their player to be honed in, they will show them all the clips of them making the right hit, the right thing. So we could do that with our kids, like all these great things that they say. And then anyway, make it fun. That just kind of popped into my head. Yeah, that would be really fun. I could see them getting into that. So thank you. Well, this has been fun hanging out with you guys. I really appreciate it. And you guys are, are did an amazing job at speaking rephraseology and conscious creation. I appreciate your time together. Latter-day Saint Home Educators is a nonprofit, all-volunteer organization dedicated to providing inspiration to homeschool families. We hope you enjoyed this recording. If you are interested in listening to more recordings, or would like to participate in a future conference, please visit our website at ldshe.org.